What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the CPA Zone, the podcast where we discuss tax strategies and accounting tips for entrepreneurs and real estate investors. My name is Ryan Pulis, and our company, The Pulis Group, offers tax planning and advisory services for entrepreneurs like you. Whether it's bookkeeping, tax planning, or CFO services that you're looking for, we've got you covered. What's up, everybody? Ryan Pulis here with another episode of the CPA Zone. Today, we're going to discuss how are different types of income taxed. So there are three types of taxes on your income. The first we're going to talk about is ordinary income tax. This is tax assessed on things like wages, salaries, rents, business income, royalties, etc., all of which which are taxed at ordinary tax rates. These are the tax rates most people think of when it comes to taxes. So when someone says, I'm in the 24% tax bracket, they're referring to their ordinary tax rates. Now your rate will vary depending on your filing status and how much income you make. So if you file as single, you'll have one set of rates, have household as a slightly different set of rates, and married filing jointly, yet another set of rates, and they apply to your income on what's called a progressive tax rate structure. So how that works, and I, I, get, I hear confusion about this quite often. People worry, oh no, I don't want to make X more dollars because that's going to bump me up into a new tax bracket. Well, that additional income doesn't change the tax on all the income prior to it. So let's say you're in the 24% tax bracket. And if you earn another $1,000, you're going to get bumped up into the 32% bracket. And let's say you, you earn that money and you're now $1,000 over the floor for the 32% bracket. Well, it's only that additional $1,000 that's subject to the 32% tax rate. Your first income is taxed at 10% then 12%, and it continues up. It's only the additional dollars that rise into that next tax bracket that are taxed at the higher level. It doesn't. It does not mean all of your income is now subject to that higher tax rate. So just something to be aware of there. The next type of tax we're going to talk about are capital gains taxes. So capital gains apply to the gains from the sale of assets. Short-term capital gains apply to assets that you own for one year or less. And short-term capital gains are still taxed at ordinary tax rates. Long-term capital gains apply when you've owned an asset for more than one year and sell it. So when you have a gain from the sale of an asset that you've owned for more than one year, it's going to be taxed at the more preferential long-term capital gains rates. Those are 0%, 15%, or 20%, depending on your overall income. For example, the 0% capital gains rate applies to people that are in the 10 and 12% ordinary tax brackets. 2% capital gains apply to the majority of the other brackets, and the 20% tax capital gains rate applies when your income's in the very higher brackets. So an example of how capital gains work. Let's say you buy stock for $1,000. Five years later, you sell it for $2,500 you have a $1,500 capital gain, and that's going to be taxed at either 0, 15, or 20%, depending on your overall income level. So it's the selling price, $2,500, minus your cost basis in the stock, which is $1,000. That's your original purchase price. The difference is the gain of $1,500. 
If you sell an asset for a loss, you have a capital loss. Capital losses can be used to offset capital gains in the same tax year. They can also, you can also deduct capital losses up to $3,000, which can be used to offset other ordinary income. Any excess over the $3,000 loss is carried forward to a future tax year when you have additional capital gains, where again, you can use up to $3,000 a year. That will continue to carry over and you can deduct $3,000 a year until you have other capital gains to offset the loss. The third type of tax is self-employment tax or FICA. So if you're self-employed, it's called self-employment tax. If you are paid with a W-2, it's FICA. Or in a lot of, often people just refer to them as payroll taxes. So if you are structured as an S corporation or C corporation and pay yourself on a W-2, these taxes apply to you. If you're self-employed and you're a sole proprietor reporting on a Schedule C, it's going to be considered self-employment taxes. The same if you're a partner in a partnership that you're active in, you receive a K-1 and you will have income reported as self-employment on the K-1. If you're a W-2 employee, one half of the payroll taxes or Social Security and Medicare is withheld from your paycheck. The other half's paid by your employer. These taxes are in addition to ordinary income taxes. Self-employed people or owners of S-Corps and C-Corporations that pay themselves a salary wind up paying both the employer and employer portion, which total 15.3%. So the social security portion is equal to 12.4%, so 6.2% for the employee, 6.2% for the employer, and Medicare is 1.5% employee, 1.5% employer. Altogether, that's 15.3%. Now, the social security portion caps out when your income exceeds $160,200 for 2023, and Medicare applies to all wages that are reported on your W-2 or self-employment wages if you're a Schedule C or a partner in a partnership. Now, some people think that being self-employed means you're getting stuck with covering double the payroll taxes, which in a sense that's true because you're paying them. But if you think about it, if you're a W-2 employee working for someone else, that money that the your employer pays into Social Security and Medicare on your behalf is money that you would otherwise receive as a salary. So that's it's still a cost to your employer. So it's in a sense, you're still paying that cost. And it's just, it's happening in a reduced amount of salary or wage that you receive. The rest is going to the government. Now, as a shareholder in an S or C corporation, your payroll taxes are going to apply to the W-2 wages. Anything in addition, which would be a distribution or a, in the case of the C corporation, those are exempt from payroll taxes or self-employment taxes. They are going to generally be taxed. An S corporation is taxed on the profits of the business. So anything left over after your salary is subject to ordinary tax rates. A corporation pays, a C corporation pays its own income taxes. And then if there's a distribution to the shareholders, that is actually a dividend payment. And it's taxed again at, on the shareholder's personal return at the dividend tax rates which most dividends are considered qualified dividends, which are taxed like long-term capital gains. So the ability to save payroll taxes is one of the main reasons people decide to go with an S-corporation business structure. They're very attractive to small businesses because you can limit the amount of payroll taxes that your income subject to. 
let's say, for example, your business has a $100,000 profit. If you were to structure that as an S corporation and pay yourself a reasonable salary of say $50,000 and take the other 50,000 as ordinary income, you can take that as a distribution, you're going to save about $7,500 in payroll taxes. That would be the 50,000 that's not paid on a W2 times the 15.3% tax rate for payroll taxes. So again, the three main types of tax you're going to pay are ordinary income tax, capital gains tax, and self-employment tax. Often income from a W-2 or your business might have both ordinary income tax and self-employment tax on the same wages. Now let's talk about the three main types of income. So we have active income, which is income from jobs and businesses that you're active in. This is subject to ordinary taxes Generally, at least a portion is going to be subject to self-employment or payroll taxes as well. If you're a sole proprietor or a partner in a partnership, all of that active income subject to payroll taxes or self-employment taxes. And if you're a owner, shareholder, an S corporation, C corporation in which you're active, the amount you pay yourself on a W-2 is subject to the self-employment or payroll taxes. So again, active income, these are the regular activities you're involved in on a day-to-day basis. Next, we have passive income. So passive income is generally income that comes from real estate or private businesses in which you're not actively involved in. Let's say you're just an investor in a friend's business. You you invested some money to help them get started out, but you're not managing the business. You're not working in the business. That would be passive income as well. Passive income is not subject to the self-employment or payroll taxes. Losses from passive income are limited and they can only be offset by income from other passive activities. Any unused losses are carried forward to future tax years when you have passive income to offset them. Now, there are some exceptions where you're allowed to deduct passive uh, passive losses in some cases, or anytime you dispose of a passive activity, let's say you have a rental property with passive losses that have accumulated over the years, when you dispose of that activity, those losses are freed up and can be used to offset other income. So all of your activities are either passive or active. You generally determine if an activity is active or passive based on whether you materially participate in in that activity or not. So the IRS gives us seven tests, but the three most common are you spend 500 hours or more in that activity or business during the year, you work 100 hours and more than anyone else, or you do substantially all the work yourself. Those are the three most common ways to demonstrate material participation, which gets you out of that passive category and allows you to take losses. The third type of income is called investment or portfolio income. So this consists of things like interest, dividends, and capital gains income from things like stocks and bonds. Typically, this is taxed at ordinary income rates and no self-employment or payroll taxes or FICA apply. But qualified dividends are taxed at the more favorable long-term capital gains rates. As we previously discussed, long-term capital gains rates are the lower rates, 0, 15, or 20%. Other investment income like ordinary dividends, interest, and short-term capital gains are taxed at ordinary tax rates. So most people start out in their career generating earned income, which is active income. Then they begin investing it into assets or other businesses that generate investment income or passive income. Real estate is a great way to generate passive income. In fact, you can often have 
positive cash flow from real estate investments while showing a loss for tax purposes. So we're going to do an entire uh, series on real estate and we'll look at the various tax benefits and some strategies that real estate investments offer. But for now, just know it's generally a great way to have positive cash flow and still show a loss for tax purposes. There are two surtaxes worth mentioning while we're talking about the different tax types. Uh, they apply to higher income earners. So the first is called the additional Medicare tax, which applies to wages and self-employment income over a certain threshold. So this is $200,000 for single filers and head of household, $250,000 for married filing joint. And if you're married filing separate, the limit drops to $125,000. So this income is taxed at a rate of 0.9%. And that's on top of the other Medicare tax of 2.9%, 1.45 for the employee, 1.45 for the employer. So overall, you come up with a Medicare tax rate of 3.8% on income over those limits. The second surtax is called the net investment income tax. So this is a 3.8% surtax that applies to net investment income when your AGI, which is short for adjusted gross income, is over certain thresholds. So similar to the additional Medicare thresholds, it's $200,000 for single and head of household filers, $250 for married filing joint, $125 for married filing separate. And 3.8% is applied to the lesser of your net investment income for the year or the amount your income exceeds the thresholds, 200K or 250K. So let's just talk through an example. Let's say you are married and you have an AGI of $300,000. 10,000 of that is from investment income. Your net investment income tax would be the 3.8% rate times the $10,000 because 10,000 is lesser than 50,000, which is 300 minus your married threshold of 250. You take the lesser of the two, which is your $10,000 investment income and apply the 3.8% rate. That gives you a net investment income tax of $380. So again, additional Medicare tax and net investment income tax are surtaxes on top of the other taxes we've discussed, and they apply to higher income earners. So to recap, your income is generally taxed at ordinary tax rates, your earned income. Self-employment tax or FICA will also generally apply to your self-employment or W-2 wages. More favorable capital gains rates apply to qualified dividends and long-term capital gains. Two surtaxes, the additional Medicare and net investment income tax, apply at higher income levels. And the three main types of income you have are active or earned income. These come from jobs in active businesses. Passive income, which generally applies to real estate, real estate and passive businesses, businesses in which you invest but are not active. And then we have portfolio or investment income which is income that comes from investments like stocks and bonds that generate interest or dividend income. So that about does it. I hope this was helpful and you found value in the information. Until next time, have a great day. Thanks for listening, and I hope you found something valuable that you can take away. We are taking on new clients, and if you'd like to work with us, then go to our website and fill out the client intake form on our contact page. This can be found at thepulisgroup.com forward slash contact. That's T H E. P-U-L-I-C-E-G-R-O-U-P dot com forward slash contact.